Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here on, on such a beautiful day. I'll tell you, it's been a great week. There's nothing like Augusta in the springtime for sure. A lot of family things going on with Mother's Day last week, graduations next week, baptism today. I'll tell you, I was thinking about with the end of school, it reminded me of this uh, teacher that gave a, a project to her third grade class, nine-year-old uh, class, and said, I want to, you to do a project about your uh, ancestry. And so the girl came home and said, Mom, can you tell me about our ancestry? And she said, well, uh, we believe that we came from Adam and Eve. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and created Adam and Eve and, and uh, through them, and that's where we came from. And she told her all about the lineage. And then she went to her dad and said, Dad, can you tell, us, uh, tell me where we came from? And he talked about the grandparents. She, he said, but ultimately, through the theory of evolution, we came from monkeys. And um, she ran to her mom and said, Mom, you lied to me. You said that we came from Adam and Eve, but Dad said we came from monkeys. She said, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. She said, that was his side of the family. So when you get together uh, with your family over the next few weeks, you know, just, just his side of the family. I'll tell you, it's a great time. Next week, we're going to be marking uh, graduations, celebrating graduations of high school and colleges for the folks here at the church. Do you remember the day that you graduated? I mean, can you remember? Patty and I were talking about this last night. He said, you know, we, we see the pictures, but do we really remember that? I asked some of our staff members this week, I said, tell me about your graduation day. Send me a picture of the day you graduated, and here's what they sent. And um, they're from all, now you can recognize some of them immediately because they just graduated, uh, but others you have to scratch your head and say, who is that? But anyway, we change over the years, don't we? And here's the next slide. This is Patty and I on our high school graduation day, you know. Uh, I'll tell you what changes uh, is technology changes. I'll tell you, from the time we graduated high school to the time we uh, graduated college, technology changed completely with uh, the ability to take pictures. But at least it's color, right? <laughs> you know, when leading up to uh, our high school graduation, I had this idea that graduation was about the end of an era. It's, it's every, you know, I am com com completing this season of my life. It's my swan song to small town living. I mean, I am out of here. But you know what I have since discovered is that graduation is not about ending something. It's not about completing 12 years of high school or, or four years of college. But you literally go to a commencement ceremony. It's about a new beginning. It's about looking forward to your life as you start your uh, new season. Well, a few weeks ago, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday. You know, after Jesus rose from the grave, he was on this earth for 40 days. Now, while he, he was here for 40 days, he met with his 12 disciples. He met with two folks on the way, on the road to Emmaus. He met with Doubting Thomas. He went, met with Mary Magdalene, his mother Mary. 
In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus met with over 500 people at one time. And so he was using that time uh, uh, to get his message out and to encourage the people. After the 40 days were up, he called his 12 disciples to go and meet with him on the mountain. And as he is sharing with them, he really gave them a commencement address. This is what I want you to do. This is what your life is going to be like. What was his commencement address? It's called the Great Commission. Now, oftentimes we hear words like that, the Great Commission, and we say, okay, I think I've heard that. I know that it has something to do with Jesus and God and the church and stuff, but I really don't know what the Great Commission is. Well, you're in good luck today because we're going to talk about the Great Commission, and it's my desire that by the time you end the service, you'll understand Jesus' commencement address, the Great Commission. Now, let me say this. Now, the disciples at that point did not realize that this would be the last words that Jesus would speak physically on this earth. You know, last words are important. You know, when a loved one dies, oftentimes we will ask, did they have any last words? Did she have any last words? Did he have any last words? Because we know that the last words that somebody gives to somebody else often represents those things that are closest to their heart. So when we look at the Great Commission, we understand that these words are important because these words are the last words of Jesus on this earth, according to Matthew chapter 28. We pick it up in verse 19. Jesus looks at his disciples. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Those are the words of the Great Commission, to go into the world and preach the gospel. Those are the last words of Jesus. It simply means that that we are to complete, do his work. But you hear that, said, go preach the gospel, wait a minute. That doesn't include me because I'm not a preacher. That may be, Marty, that's for you, but that's not for me. But what he's really saying here is just to share the good news. Just to share the good news. Just tell your story. That's what he wants you to do. In fact, you can boil this, the Great Commission down to really four words. It would be go, connect, grow, and receive. So just think about on that. So the first one is just to share your story. Tell people what God has done in your life. Remember, this is the commencement address, and it's featuring Jesus' last words. He said, I want you to go and make disciples. Now, what is a disciple? Now, at the very heart of the word, a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. A disciple is a pupil who is sitting at somebody else's feet. To be a disciple means that you are a follower of someone. In Jesus' day, young people did not go to college because there weren't any colleges back then. If you wanted to be a shepherd, then you would become an apprentice to the chief shepherd. 
You would study how he handles the sheep, and you would learn from him, and eventually you would become a shepherd in your own right. If you wanted to be a lawyer, then you would connect and become an apprentice um, with an experienced lawyer. You would work for him, and you would listen to every word, and you would listen how he would argue his point, and then you would listen how he would negotiate the deal, the, the contracts. And then you would become a lawyer. So it's not unusual that men who followed Christ were called his disciples. The first disciples were students. They were students at Jesus' feet. So for three and a half years, they followed him. For three and a half years, they followed Christ and they were called his disciples. And that's why on the Great Commission, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. He was telling them, look, go bring your friends along and make them disciples. Go to all nations. When we're just being very very practical here, Jesus is speaking to a group of guys here who were Orthodox, Orthodox Jews. And so he is telling them, I want you to enlarge your vision of the world. Because up until this point, you have only seen the world through your own viewpoint, through your own eyes. You have only seen that God's heart was for the Jewish people. But Jesus came to expand the vision of the disciples. He said, God is for everyone. Jesus came for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came as the Savior for everyone. And so Jesus was using this commencement address to expand the vision and the worldview and to expand the hearts of those folks that were following him. I want you to open your eyes to everyone. When we think about that, We know that God's word is alive and we can listen to this message and we can study this chapter and we can approach this chapter as if it were a history lesson. And it is a history lesson, but it is so much more than that because we believe that the word of God is alive. It's quick. It's active. And so if it's alive, that means it is speaking to you and me. So it comes and speaks to us. So we become a part of the story. And so how are we going to go and make disciples? How are we going to influence people with the good news? Here's how you do that. It all begins with kindness. It all begins with being nice to people. You hear me say that over and over. Just be nice to people. Why is that important? It is of the utmost importance Because we know that God's kindness leads us to repentance. We know that that when we are kind and when we're nice to people, that we have an opportunity to have a conversation with them. People are shocked when you're nice to them. They're like, okay, what do you want? Why are you being nice to me? But what if you're just kind and nice and you started a conversation? Because just maybe in that conversation, the Holy Spirit may touch that, some words that were spoken and turn that very natural, everyday kind of conversation into a spiritual conversation. I mean, if this week 
you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden you're talking about gas prices. Anybody talk about gas prices this week? Or maybe, where can you get gas? Something very normal. Just something very normal. But oftentimes, God gets involved in the small little things that, uh, that surprises us. And he will use those everyday conversations uh, through your kindness. And he will turn and those uh, individuals will ask you a spiritual question. And you can say this, you know what? I don't know all the Bible and I don't know, but this is what has happened to me. This is how my life was changed. Or maybe you just simply say, hey, why don't you come to church with me next Sunday? You don't have to go dive in deep in that moment, but just follow the promptings of the Lord. That's what it means to go and make disciples. Here's the second thing. I said go and then connect. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that we needed each other, that we're not meant to live in isolation. And he knew that people grow spiritually when they're connected to meaningful relationships. And that's why it leads us to the second point. Get connected. Get connected to a spiritual family. Because church is not something you go to. It's not just an event. It is a family that you belong to. Church is not just something you go to. It's just not an event. And Stevens Creek, we do a lot of big events. Every holiday season, we're going to do big events. We do events. But don't look at Stevens Creek as just a place that provides events for you and your family in this community. We're not just a place you go to. We are a family that you belong to. He said, therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why is baptism important? Your baptism declares your faith. You know, when you, we think about faith, Faith is something that is very personal and very private. You make that decision between you and the Lord. You come and you pray that personal prayer, personal and private. But there comes a point in your spiritual journey when you take something that was very personal and very private and you go public with it. And you go public through the waters of baptism. Now, when you see somebody baptized, it is actually telling the story of Jesus. We celebrated on Easter, on Good Friday, where Jesus died on the cross and they placed him in a tomb. And so when somebody is baptized, you'll see that they will go down into the waters as if they're going um, into the tomb. Their old life. They're dying to their old life. But yet when they come up out of the water, it symbolizes that Jesus has given them resurrection power. He has given them new life. So it's not just an optional spiritual ritual. I believe it signifies your inclusion in God's family. It publicly announces to the world that you follow Jesus. It publicly says to everybody. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Some of us are Jews and some of us are Gentiles. 
Some of us are slaves and, and some of us are free. But we have all been baptized. We've been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. It's the spirit of Christ. You know, baptism is like a, a wedding ring. This is my wedding ring. I've been wearing this for 30 plus years. Now, this ring right here is a visible reminder of an inward commitment that I made to Patty over 30 years ago. Okay? And so every day when I look at my hand, I have a symbol here, a reminder that that inward commitment that I made to uh, my wife, I have an outward symbol for that. Baptism is like that. You have made this inward commitment, but when you go through the waters of baptism, you are announcing to everyone that you are a Jesus follower. Today is Baptism Sunday. And over the next few minutes, you're going to see some courageous people walk across this stage. And they are going to announce to you and to the World Wide Web and to all those who are watching On Demand, they're going to announce to them that they are now a follower of Jesus Christ. They're going to declare publicly their faith. Now, I want you to remember, when they walk across this stage and they are baptized, does not mean that they're perfect people. Nobody in this room is perfect. There's nobody, no perfect people here. So these people are coming forward to saying they have received the free gift of the forgiveness of sins. That's what they're declaring. We have received the free gift of the forgiveness of sins. So today's a great day. We're celebrating with these folks here, these courageous people and the families that are supporting them here. So let's honor the Lord as we do this. It's always an exciting Sunday, and I just want to apologize to you guys. I lied. I said 23 got ba are getting baptized today. We have 27. That's awesome. That's awesome. And we are just so th proud and thankful for each of you guys and the stories uh, that are represented in this crowd um, are so, so important. One word or phrase that keeps popping up all day long is a friend kept praying or a friend invited me to church or a family member was praying. One person last service talked about walking in on their mother praying for them. And so I want to encourage you, uh, just like we talked about, those invite cards that are right there in front of you, uh, those are a conversation starter. We want to encourage you to those names that you've written on these windows, those names that you have on your heart that represent uh, an eternity for someone to just continue to invite, continue to, to ask them and to continue to let them know that you're praying for them. Well, today uh, we're gonna start with this service and, and we're so excited. We have Miss Taylor coming to be baptized. And Taylor uh, just talks about the importance of her friends and reading the Bible as how she came to faith. We are just so excited for her and praying for her. And um, she also mentioned that she was so encouraged by a church that really encouraged everybody. It didn't matter how old she was or how young she was, that there was something exactly for her and her time. Taylor, we're proud of you.
Taylor, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Today, it's my honor and my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's so awesome. Next up, we have Alejandro. And he talks about uh, his faith in Jesus pursuing him. He just feels like through coming to faith that it was just not just something that he necessarily did, but he really felt God pursuing him. And he came to faith and accepted the Lord as his Lord and Savior. We're proud of you, buddy. Alex, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I have. It is my privilege and it's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Congratulations. Next up, we have Sophia, and she writes this on how she came to faith. When I asked Jesus into my heart, it was the best thing that I had ever done in my life. I learned about him when I was young and went to church, and my parents tell me about Jesus all the time. I asked Jesus into my heart on April 3rd, 2021. Me and my mom were talking about it before bed, and so I decided to say that prayer and to receive God. I was so relieved and so joyful and so happy. Happy. I have always loved God and I always will. I'm happy I said the salvation prayer and I hope other people will too. Sophia, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? It is my privilege and my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next up, we have Grayson. Grayson's been attending Stevens Creek since he was born. And uh, he's been involved in Creek Kids since then. He, while he was younger, his parents, they volunteered for at least one service each week. And now he can be found at the Creek for all three services because he rides with his brothers. And he cannot wait until next year when he's able to serve in Creek Kids. Parents, it's so important, the examples that you're setting for your children. We're proud of you, buddy. So, Grayson, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Today, it's my honor and it's my privilege to baptize you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next up, we have Laney. There you go. You got a fan section. She writes, I denied and rejected Jesus for so long until I decided to go to a United Night, that's our student ministries, and realized how wrong and how lost I actually was, and she found her faith. Laney, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Today it's my privilege and it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next up, we have Greg. Yeah. He writes, I was saved and christened as a teenager in the Presbyterian Church, but he has since decided to re rededicate his life 
and to go public with his faith. We're proud of you, Greg. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, Greg, it's my honor and it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So awesome. Next up, we have Carson. She writes, when she was in fifth grade, I was in fifth grade and I was just not the person that I wanted to be. And I decided I wanted to change. And in that process, she found Jesus. We celebrate with you today, Carson. Carson, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Today, it's my honor and it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Congratulations. Next up, we have Cheyenne. She writes, I moved to Georgia two years ago where I found new friends that encouraged me to give Christ a chance. It was the best decision of my life. Today, we celebrate you and that decision that you made. Congratulations, Cheyenne. Cheyenne, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? It is my privilege today to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next up, we have Eddie. Yeah. He writes, I came to Georgia with a new group of friends who gave me the confidence to return to church. And from there, I rededicated my life and accepted Jesus. Congratulations, Eddie. God bless you, Eddie. Step right over here. Eddie, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Today it's my privilege and it's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next up, we have Caitlin, and she writes, through the ups and downs of life, and after hitting the lowest point of life, she found God. I want to say just a couple of minutes, a couple of things about uh, Caitlin. Um, her granddad is uh, Donnie and Cindy, uh, granddad and grandparents, uh, Cindy Rogers, and they've been a part of my life for 30 plus years when we first moved to town we were down the street neighbors they became uh, missionaries in Haiti and I was able to go to Haiti years ago before you were even thought of and um and just how they've touched my life and Donnie is a pastor here in town at Life Church and uh, he and Cindy are great pastors and and we just support them and believe in what they're doing and and you've just been a great friend for a number of years and so it is just uh, my honor to uh, um, to invite you to this stage to be a part of this baptism. Okay.
It's so awesome. Congratulations, Caitlin. The rest of y'all that were baptized. To our Creek Kids family in the back with all the signs celebrating. I just want to say I'm so proud of our Creek Kids, our family ministries, our student ministries. We have so many of them that have been baptized, not only in this service, but all day long. And uh, it is amazing that we're a part of a church that encourages faith in such uh, young believers and, and celebrates them and their life change. And uh, for you, I think that's an important story for you to hold. If you're a parent, if you're a cousin, brother, wherever you find yourself, to just encourage those that are closest to you. It's the most important decision that they'll ever make. What a great day at Stevens Creek Church. I'll tell you, when um, I see so much of the courage of people coming forward in faith, and I think about uh, this generation, and so many times people are worried about the future. I have great confidence in the future because of the students that I see in our student ministry and, and the young people I have here, that this church and the future is in good hands. So we're talking about our marching orders. We're talking about the Great Commission. And I said, really, there are four words for that. I said, there's the go, and then there's connect. And then we have grow. There's an important part of this. And, and baptism is like this commencement that you're, you're starting in a new season of spiritual growth. But it's going to take some effort. In fact, that's our point here. We need to make an effort to grow in our faith and to live out the teachings of Jesus. Make that effort to grow in your faith and to live out the teachings of Jesus. He said, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Why is that important? Because it's in God's word that God's word starts to strengthen us and change us from the inside out. You know, um, and we have to make that commitment to God's word. When we think about commitments, commitments are those things will, that will determine our future. Because you see, your commitments will develop you or your commitments will destroy you. When I look at people and I see what they're committed to, I'll, I see the path that they're on. Their commitments over the, over the years will take them down one path or another path. It will take them down a broad way that leads to destruction or a narrow way that leads to life. And Jesus comes and said, I want you to teach them to obey. Teach them to understand um, uh, that these principles are life and they're hope. And they've got to work through them. That's why Paul wrote to the Philippians. He said, therefore, my dear friends, continue to work it out. Work out your salvation with fear and tremble, trembling. For it is God who works in your, um, in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So there's two parts to spiritual growth. There's to the part that we work it out, and then God works it in. The work it out is our responsibility. We've got to pick it up. We've got to do something. We've got to be intentional. We need to grow in our faith. We need to work it out. But then the second part is God's part. He works in us. He changes us from the inside out. That's why Jesus came to, uh, with the message of repentance. Repentance actually means change. That you're going down one road and you turn your life over to Jesus. And there, at that point, you turn around and you start walking in a new direction. And so back to the story. These disciples were there on the mountain. 
And they're listening to Jesus give them this great commission, this commencement address. And I am sure that as they're listening to him, they're saying, wow, we, we can't do this. this. This job is so much bigger than we are. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like that you've been prompted to do something and the thing that you've been prompted to do is so much bigger than your abilities, so much bigger um, than, uh, than you feel like you could ever accomplish? Well, that's how they felt. But Jesus said, you're witnesses of these things. Verse chapter 24 of, um, of Luke. I am going to send you what my father's promised, but I need you to stay in the city, the city of Jerusalem, until you've been clothed or endued with power from on high. Jesus gave them this great commission, but he said to them, I'm going to give you the ability to do it. I'm going to give you power. We're all in need of a power that is greater than ourselves. And that's why he told the disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit is poured out. We sang the song today, God, pour out your spirit on us. So what we see here is that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. God never gives you a mission unless he gives you the ability to accomplish the mission. God never calls you to do something unless he gives you the ability to accomplish the call. So don't allow fear and worry to, to keep you from embracing your purpose. When Jesus left this earth, he, he released the Holy Spirit, God's active presence, to enable his work to be accomplished God never gives you a mission unless he gives you that ability to accomplish it. We see this in, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We see that word witnesses. When we hear about witnesses, we immediately think about a courtroom. Now, with that in mind, when you think about a witness in a courtroom, what's their responsibility? Their responsibility is simple. Tell me what you've seen or tell me what you've heard. Now, God calls us to be a witness. He's just saying, just tell people what you've seen and what you've experienced. Witness for him. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I've heard. God has called you to be a witness. We see in the scriptures here, it says, In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. Now, why? Why Jerusalem? The reason Jerusalem is simply this. That's where they lived. That was their hometown. And so if he were speaking to us, since this word is alive, and this word is speaking to us, it's not just a history lesson. It's a life lesson. He is saying, I want you to start where you are. I want you to start with those people who are closest to you. I just want you to bloom where you're planted. Just take that opportunity. Some time ago, I received this, this email and said, Marty said, my non-believer friend has been going to church with me all month. I showed up at her house, and I literally cried in her kitchen, and I begged her to give me 
four Sundays. Just give me four Sundays. If she didn't believe by the end, then I'll keep praying for her, but I'll leave her alone. She said she's been going to church all month. I just got a text from her that read, I prayed the prayer tonight. Marty, this girl did not believe in Jesus or the Bible four weeks ago. Now she has asked Jesus to come into her heart. This is one of the best moments of her life and of my life. It's the power. You see, so many times we think about the Great Commission, and we think about great uh, events somewhere. We think about large crowds and, and, and giving an appeal for people to come. But the Great Commission is lived out across kitchen tables around this community. It's one person telling another person about the life of Jesus and how their lives have been changed. It's the power of the gospel. Has your life been changed? Have you asked Jesus to be the leader of your life? He'll change your life. And we see this in the Great Commission. Now in closing, I just want to get personal just for a second. Nearly three weeks ago, my mother passed away after a long battle with Alzheimer's. She battled Alzheimer's about 10 years or more. And Patty and I appreciate your support. We appreciate your cards, your kindness. We appreciate the food, the cakes. I'm telling you, we're going to have to see Jenny Craig after it's all over. We've been anticipating her passing for some time. And I wondered what would it be like. I wanted personally to be there, but I didn't know if I would be there or not. It was a, I wanted to be there just to know, for her to feel and know that, that she is not crossing over alone. I just wanted to be there for her. But I also wanted to be there for me. I wanted to know if she would give me a glimpse of heaven. I mean, when she crosses over, will she see maybe her mother there or her dad there and maybe give me a glimpse of my grandparents? Would she see my son? Would she give me a glimpse of him? I wondered, would she have a moment of clarity? You know, she's been battling this disease for so long. Would there be a moment that in that time, that as she crosses over, that her mind would be instantly clear as she is healed of Alzheimer's? I wondered that. Well, the time arrived. We were around her bed nearly three weeks ago, 7 o'clock at night, and nothing like I envisioned happened. It was right after 7. My dad was leaning over her, talking to her. Patty was holding her hand, and I was standing by Patty. And in a very peaceful way, she she gulped twice, and then she was gone. And in that moment, Patty says, Marty, I think she's gone. She's lost so much weight. I reached down in between her ribs, and I put my hand around her, her aorta, 
And I said, no, I can still feel her heart pumping. And then it was gone. And then she passed. And she passed peacefully. It was so peaceful, my dad didn't even know that she had died. As I prepared for this message, and I was thinking about Jesus' final words, I started thinking about my mom's final words. At least the ones that I remember. You know, like I said, she's battled Alzheimer's for so long. And so we haven't been able to carry on normal conversations. We would be there, but... It was sometimes uh, our eyes would connect and we would look into those eyes and we felt like that we were going deeper, but we were not hearing any words. There was no verbal connection. But about six weeks ago, or six weeks before she passed, Patty and I went to see her and Patty went over and leaned over and hugged her. As Patty is hugging her, she speaks and she said, I did not forget you. I didn't forget you. That was the last words that we remember, and that was six weeks before she died. I didn't forget you. The last words are important. In Matthew 28, verse 20, notice the last words of Jesus. It says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely, notice this, I am with you you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' last words, the last words of the Great Commission is that I am with you always. I am with you. You may be suffering. You may be confused. You may be in pain. You may have a difficult relationship. You may... um, have uh, after effects of COVID-19. You may feel like you're broke and have no future. In whatever state you're in, hear the last words of Jesus to you. He is saying to you, I am with you. You are not alone in this You're not facing this problem. You're not facing this difficulty. You're not facing this disease. You're not facing this pain alone. But God is with you. He told his disciples to go wait in the city of Jerusalem because he's going to send a comforter to be with you. That comforter was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was released on the church on the day of Pentecost. It is God's active presence. The Holy Spirit is here today saying to you, God is with you. He is for you. And whatever you need, call on him. I'm going to pray over you in just a few minutes. And my prayer is that you'll receive everything that God has for you. As we sing that song, oh God, pour out your spirit on me. That that would be our prayer. That God, that you would be with us. That you would give us that strength. And you would give us power. And you would give us the Holy Spirit in our lives. Pour out your presence on us. So that's my prayer for you. Let's stand together and I'm going to pray over you.
as we pray, I want you to not only just listen to the words or, or pray words yourself, but I want you to, to get body language involved in this, okay? A lot of times we can tell what somebody is saying by their body language. They may never speak a word, and we know that, okay, uh, we're okay to go into that situation, or we better stay away from that situation. So as we approach God today, I want our body language to, to be part of our prayer. You say, well, Marty, what are you saying? I want you to put your hands out like this. This would be a way of receiving what God has for you. I believe that God has uh, a blessing for you. God has presence. I just want you to receive it. I just want to say, God, I receive what you have for me, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we stand here in your presence with our hands extended at a place of surrender. And we're asking you, God, to come and to move in this church and move into, the, uh, into our lives and the lives of the people who are watching on demand. God, we pray that you would be with us. And to those that are struggling with alcoholism, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be healed. I pray for those that are struggling with the after effects of COVID-19, that in the name of Jesus that you would be healed. I pray, God, for those people that are suffering with fear, with the residue of a, a year in quarantine. I pray in the name of Jesus that that fear over them and the anxiety over them would be broken. I pray, Father, for those that are struggling with relational issues. God, that you would come and that you would mend broken hearts. I pray, God, for those that have never made a decision to follow you, that this would be the day they would say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins and make me into the kind of person you'd have me to be. So God, come and move in this place and pour out your spirit on us. And we pray this and we receive. Say that, God, I receive what you have for me. Say that, I receive what you have for me. And I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.